In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's gospel lesson, although compact and standing alone, existing only in Luke, does a lot of work. Like others in Luke, it is paired with the centurion servant's healing, including women and their reality in the good news of the gospel. It also equates Jesus's person and his ministry with that of, great pro of the great prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and the bringing back of life to only sons of widows, it is echoed, and the people would have remembered. And they make the connection clear towards the end of the narrative. It also serves to confirm yet again that Jesus' ministry is fulfilling the prophecy of the Messiah that is to come. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead rise. Yet I confess that as I approach the passage, I am confronted with my usual bias. See, I have a bias, or I, let me say that right, I know I have a bias. When it comes to reading scripture, I'm always seeking what it is that I am being taught. How am I being challenged, encouraged, and guided? So for me, the first quick reading of this gospel was like reminding me, yeah, Jesus, miracles, you know, that's what he did, you know, raising the dead, which he does do three times in the gospels. And indeed, that message gives me hope. It encourages me. There is nothing that God cannot help me with. There is no situation too hopeless for the power of God. So I am invited to have faith and to trust. That is good. Yet a closer look invites me to more. Although it would seem that this is, or it is, a miracle of, the, of a resurrection, and that that is the focus, the truth is that the focus, the story, is about the widow. She is at the center. And that's good, because of all the gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, resurrecting people is not within our purview. <laughs> so then we hear the story. And we see that soon afterwards, Jesus goes to this place and he's got his disciples, he's got a large crowd, so posse and mass, and they're all going with him. And as they approach the gate of the town, a man who had died is being carried out. And he's his mother's only son, she's a widow, there's a large crowd with her. She was beloved. People are with her, mourning, crying. And when Jesus sees her, he has compassion and tells her not to cry, 
not because she should squelch her emotions or because it's unseemly or anything like that, but because he's going to help her. He comes forward and he touches the bier and the bearers stop. And this is not what he should be doing. This makes him ritually unclean. And then the dead man sits up upon the command of Jesus to rise and everyone glorifies God and recognizes this great prophet among us. And this word spreads. Now, when we see this woman, we realize that we read the story and know that her marginalization was inevitable. Or so it seems that the forces are at play, that the suffering and debilitating socioeconomic status that she takes on as a widow has happened. But the truth is, I have to say that it seems that way because the truth is that although death is not inevitable, the marginalization of women bereft of husbands and sons does not have to be. That's just patriarchy. So we see her in the midst of her community, and she is beloved, and the whole community mourns with her. She is not by herself. But they too are caught up in the system and see no other way. They too experience it as a total loss. And then Jesus intervenes. He reacts to this woman in three ways. First, we're told that he saw her. Being seen when you are in the margins is a powerful, fierce experience. We don't all see the marginalized. He sees her, and then he was moved with compassion for her. Scholars tell us that Luke is not big on the emotions, probably because he was a doctor, maybe a surgeon. Um, but. He does describe compassion, this deep emotion that he experiences, witnessing, seeing her, and recognizing what this death means for her and her life. And so the compassion is powerful in its healing properties. And then he speaks to her. He talks to her, speaks to her situation, recognizes and therefore centers her reality. For Jesus, his engagement, his intervention means that he gets his hands dirty. He doesn't stand that, I mean, you know, he's Jesus, right? He could have stood at a distance and <laughs> rise, but he doesn't. He touches, he engages, he gets involved. 
and his intervention restores her life, her lifestyle, and her livelihood. It's not just that he is compassionate and merciful to her and she feels comforted. It's not just that she gets to go back to the way things were. It also means that her ability to live fully has been restored. And that's where I see the invitation to us. We who follow Jesus, who say that we are called to serve as he served. We who have the audacity to trust that God is working through us and that through us, even greater things will be accomplished because together we are the body of Christ. In all indicators that are measured about socioeconomic status of women, women suffer disproportionately. Women suffer higher poverty rates more than one in seven women live in poverty, according to the census in 2014. That equals 18.4 million women. Eight out of 10 women have full custody of their children, which is great, but they are twice as likely to have a low socioeconomic status than the custodial fathers are. So, you know, we hear a lot about how important the life of children is, the lives of children are. Domestic and sexual violence against women often leads to a cycle of poverty through job loss, poor health, and homelessness. The pay gap between men and women Although it has been reduced, that reduction has been stalled. The improvement has plateaued, and women continue to be paid less for the same work. Now, these facts are increased among black women, indigenous women, and women of color. It is multiplied in the queer community, trans women. And that's just from the US census. The impact is even more severe in the two-thirds world. As followers of Christ, everywhere we go, just like Jesus and his disciples and those that followed him, everywhere we go, we encounter communities who are mourning the injustice and losses of women. Whether it's their health outcomes, whether it's their opportunities, their access, their education levels, all of it. And so we too then are being invited to follow Jesus in that next way. We are invited to see these people at the margins to see these women. We are invited to, like Jesus, 
have real compassion, not pity, not judgment in analyzing what choices they might have made that might have led to a different outcome, but true compassion. And then we are invited to get our hands dirty and to engage these people in the margins, to center them in our ministries the way Jesus centered women in his to see them and to fight with our great posse of Christian believers <clears throat> for the change in the structures that would <clears throat> stop marginalizing women the way that they are marginalized. Because it is not inevitable. It is not just the way things are. There are patriarchal and capitalistic forces at play, systems that are oppressive and death-dealing that we are called to respond to as the body of Christ, to challenge, to work with others, to transform. And in the meantime, right, because the body has many gifts, we saw the list, to also care and comfort and strengthen and stand with and advocate for, to be prophets and teachers and pastors. In this way then, we are invited into deep work, messy work, and I say messy only because some people are under the impression that the church should not be involved in politics which I'm always kind of a little confused because after all, politics is just how human beings have organized themselves. And if anything needs the power of Christ and the blood of Christ and the action of Christ, it's the way we've organized ourselves. And so we are invited. We are invited to follow Jesus and to do likewise. Amen. As we gather here at Virginia Theological Seminary from around the globe, seeking God's reign in this world, let us pray, saying, In the Spirit we plead, hear us, O God. O God, we give thanks for the many blessings of this life, especially for the beauty of all creation. In the Spirit we plead. Hear us, O God. O God. May your dominion grasp us and ravish the hearts of all who claim 